0: You're listening to Comedy Central. August 13th, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. America's Greatest Living Director, Spike Lee is here, everyone! We'll be talking about his new movie, Black Klansman. But first, it is one of the great ironies of all time that the Trump presidency has given us more books than ever before, which is a crazy thing, because this is a guy whose favorite thing to read is the Hooters (laughs) T-shirt. And this week, another Trump book hits the shelves. This one from former Trump aide and reality TV star Omarosa. And it's safe to say it's making major headlines. Omarosa's stunning Meet the Press interview where she tells all about her time in the White House. What she calls an insider's account of the Trump White House.
1: They continue to deceive this nation by how mentally declined he is, how difficult it is is for him to process complex information. This is a White House where everybody lies. Donald Trump is a con and has been masquerading as someone who is actually open to engaging with diverse communities. He is truly a racist.
0: Omarosa, (laughs) how can you say that about the president three years after we all said that about the president? (laughs) How? Seriously, though, Omarosa had to spend a year in the White House to learn that Donald Trump doesn't know what he's doing? Like, I can't wait for her next book, Donald Trump, something's wrong with his hair. (laughs) But, But the revelations in Omarosa's book aren't even the juicy part of this story, because it turns out that unlike James Comey, she wasn't just making notes she was making tapes.
2: Former presidential advisor, Amorosa Manigault Newman, admitted that she secretly recorded Chief of Staff John Kelly firing her in the high security White House Situation Room.
1: Can I ask you a couple of questions? Does the president, is the president aware of this? Uh, don't, let's not go down the road. This is a non-negotiable discussion. I don't want to uh, negotiate. Okay, I just—I've never talked. I had a chance to talk to you, General Kelly. Yeah, so if this is my departure. I'd like to have at least an opportunity no, uh, to understand. We can—we can talk another time. This has to do with some pretty serious viola- integrity violations. Um, so I'll let it go with that.
0: What's weird about this is that Omarosa is presenting these tapes as evidence that she was treated unfairly. But from what she released. John Kelly doesn't sound that bad. If anything, he just sounded like a guy who had a lot more important things to do, you know? He's just like, look, I can't have this conversation right now. The president accidentally swallowed the nuclear launch codes and uh, (laughs) we need to come up with some new ones ASAP. (laughs) Like, if anything, these tapes may have landed Omarosa in hot water because she took a recording device into the White House situation room. That's the room where presidents hold the most classified meetings, like highly classified. Things that are too secret for the Oval Office. Like the Bin Laden raid was run from the Situation Room. I mean, I know now we don't know what they use that room for under Trump. I mean, I I bet if we check the security cam footage now, we just see like Ben Carson sneaking in to take naps and (laughs) and Don Jr. going in there to practice his karate. You know, it's just (laughs) like, the true master is one who can strike without waking me up. As if taping the chief of staff in the Situation Room wasn't scandalous enough, today Omarosa dropped her latest mixtape. And this one features the president himself. Oh, and please listen to how Trump reacts when he finds out Omarosa has been fired.
1: Omarosa, what's going on? I just saw on news that you're thinking about leaving. What happened? General Kelly, uh, General Kelly uh, came uh, to me and said that you guys wanted me to leave no I, I nobody even told me about it nobody um, you know they run a big operation but i didn't know it i didn't know that yeah. god, damn it i don't love you leaving at all
0: i don't love you leaving at all i just found out they run a big operation over us. god damn it you know for a man who lies as much as trump you think he'd be better at it he's like no i'm so upset about this <laughs> I wonder if he did this to people who got fired from The Apprentice. If he also called him, he's like, hey Gary, I just saw last night's episode. What happened? (laughs) What happened? God damn it, I didn't know. Now I'll be honest, what we've heard on the tapes is not particularly shocking, but what is shocking is how many people are secretly recording the president of the United States (laughs) all the time. So many people are walking around the White House wearing a wire, I'm surprised that there aren't just feedback loops happening to everyone as they walk by, like, people just having conversations, like, hey, I was, Hey, your recording's interfering with my recording, man. Come on, come on, what frequency are you on? Yeah, just give me your recording after the meeting. This is weird. Like, it's incredible, everyone has a recording of the president, Omarosa has one, Michael Cohen, even shock jocks are getting him at this point. Like, there just needs to be a Grammy category for these at this point. This is gonna be like, and the award goes to, oh, Adele, surprise, it's Adele, actually. (laughs) Now, as usual, when one of Trump's people turns on him, the White House runs its smear campaign playbook, right? They say the person has always been trash. Uh, With Omarosa, they've dismissed her as a lying, publicity-hungry reality star who only cares about enriching herself. And when Trump heard that, he was like, are you guys looking at my resume? Are you? For more on this, we turn to our senior political analyst, Ronnie Chang, everybody! (laughs) (laughs) Ronnie.
2: What have we. What have we learned from Omarosa's new book? Well, I'll tell you what I've learned, Trevor. There is nothing more profitable than working for Donald Trump, okay? Because everyone who gets fired by this guy gets a book deal. I'm waiting for him to fire his chef so we can get a cookbook called 32 Burger Recipes Our Fat Liar President Likes. (laughs) And I'll tell you what else Omarosa has taught me is that I'm doing the right thing because I'm also secretly taping everyone's conversations in this office.
0: Wait, what? (laughs) You've been recording people at The
2: Daily Show? Yeah, yeah, that's how you get dirt on everybody so you can write a bestseller after you leave. Ronnie, I feel like that's such a violation of people's trust. Yeah, okay, Mr. Ethics. Maybe you'll think differently once you hear what Roy Wood Jr. really says about you. Hey, Roy, what do you think about Trevor? Yeah, he's all right. Hey man, I'm sorry to hear about your grandma. My, My grandma? Yeah, she died, right? No, 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 no. I just didn't want her coming to work. So I lied that she died. Oh, that's what's up. Cool. (laughs) You hear that, Trevor? Roy thinks you're just all right. (laughs) Doesn't sound like a team player to me. What the hell, Ronnie? I gave you the whole week off. So your grandmother isn't dead? No, no. She's alive. Although the doctors say she's probably gonna die soon. I'm thinking, like, maybe Tuesday after Labor Day. You know, four-day weekend. (laughs) Ronnie, I'm...
0: I'm disappointed in you, man.
2: Oh, okay, okay, I'm the bad guy. I bet you wish I was more like Desi, huh? You think she's so sweet? Maybe you'll think twice about her when you hear what she says about you. Hey, uh, Desi, don't you think Trevor has some flaws?
0: Mm, I guess nobody's perfect. Hey, why are you Xeroxing a passport?
2: Uh, I'm forging some documents because I'm in the country illegally. (laughs) Ha! Suck it, Desi. Now who's America's favorite blonde? Me.
0: Ronnie, I don't think these tapes are busting who you think they're busting. Oh yeah,
2: you would say that, Trevor, but don't forget why I got on you. Ronnie, are you doing drugs in the office? My own business. Hey, what do you think of Trevor Noah? I'm Trevor Noah. Yeah, he sucks. Wow, the great Trevor Noah Hang out with drug users. Ronnie Chang, everybody. Ronnie Chang, this is. <laughs>
0: this is just you. Don't forget, don't forget to watch a sneak peek of the first episode of Ronnie Chang International Student, premiering tonight, right after the Daily Show. Also, the entire series is streaming right now on the Comedy Central app. Ronnie Chang, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is a writer and director whose critically acclaimed new film is called Black Klansman. Please welcome Spike Lee. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. Is Brooklyn
1: in the house. <laughs> uh,
0: great to see you again. And let me start by saying this. I, I have been in many a movie theater. I uh, have watched many movies, Spike Lee. And I will tell you this. I have never experienced what I experienced watching this movie. I watched this movie in Connecticut this weekend. And the cinema was completely filled with old white people. The area I was in. It was Mystic Lake or something like that. Right? And the movie plays end-to-end, end, I think two hours and eight minutes, and we sit there, and nobody gets up. Like, credits start rolling, nobody moves. And then I stood up, and we're, like, in the middle, and then all the white people around me were just like, yeah, yeah, you just can't. <laughs> And then, like, even when we were walking out, people were just like, yeah, no, you first, you first. Like, everyone... It's, it's, a, it's a powerful film. Are you feeling that in the responses I'm you get feeling from people?
1: I'm I'm on Instagram, and I got several people telling me that they were, you know, not one or two black people in the theater. And then after the film, when the lights finally go up, the white people who, who loved the film, they were still hugging them. They're hugging the black folks in the theater, saying, I'm sorry, I apologize, I apologize. I never heard anything like that before in my life.
0: It's, it's, it's a beautiful film, and, and just to those who, who don't know anything about the story, Black Klansman is inspired by the true story of Ron Stallworth, right? He's a, an African-American detective in the, the, 19, first. In the 1970s. The first?
1: Uh, in, first police officer in Colorado Springs.
0: Right, and this is a black man who gets into a police department and... I mean, from the get-go, let's start with that part of the story. You lay out how difficult it is to play that, 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 that role of being a black man mm-hmm. and a police officer. And this is in the 1970s, but in some ways it feels like it hasn't changed.
1: Well, what we tried to do was, even though it takes place in the 70s, I still wanted to be contemporary. So there are many things that my co-writer, Kevin Wilmot and I, we put in so people, it would click like, you know, right? this stuff is still happening today. And then it I know, I'm not trying to spoil anything because it's out already. Right. But the, the ending that really hammers home where we are in this world today. It, it, it's, it's a story that connects with you on so many levels. So,
0: you know, you have Adam Driver's character. Right. Who's a policeman who has for so long passed as white, just plain wasp white mm-hmm. in his neighborhood. And in the story, Ron Stallworth is a black man who goes undercover as a Klan member, which right. is, I mean, the premise sounds ridiculous. If, it, if you don't tell me that it's based on a true story, I'd be like, this is the wildest thing from the imagination. That's yes, what I thought
1: when Jordan Peele called me. And he said, so he says to you, this is the story, and... Six words. Black man infiltrates Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> high concepts. <laughs> you can't get more con- high higher than that.
0: Right, but the real Ron Stahl, like, he, he did this. And David Duke got bamboozled by him. Yep. And... <laughs> So <laughs> what I what I you know what here's the thing what I found fantastic about it is in your film it illuminates the the ludicrous nature of racism because David Duke becomes friends right. with a black man because he doesn't know that he's a black man. Or with the phone. Right. Mm-hmm. Like and you show you show that these like it's it's a human being. Like that maybe that's the biggest thing for me is how were you able to make a film where you seem to approach it with a certain level of empathy where you don't paint these people as caricatures you see different people in the clan you see human beings who are doing what they believe is right to what they believe is their divine god-given like like how do you how do you begin that journey when creating that
1: character it starts with the script but without i mean without ron's book i mean it's all that's what makes it insane that is true right so when jordan peel said I said, it, it sounded Automatically, I thought of the David Chappelle skit. Right, right, right. But he said, it's true. And then I read the book, and it was a great opportunity for me, even though it took place... Even though, even though the, the story took place in Seven, I still thought it was a great opportunity to comment on the world we live today with Agent Orange in the White House. Let me ask you this. I don't say his name. Let me, let me Shout out ask- to Busta Rhymes. That's where I got him from. <laughs> Buster!
0: Let let me ask you this. Why do you think a story about the 1970s and the Klan and a black man in the police force comments on what's happening today in America? Because
1: I I like to say... I think one of the mistakes people are making, I feel, is that they're saying this is just an American phenomenon. The rise of the right, this this is happening globally. And with this guy in the White House, he's made it okay for these supremacist white spreads to come out in the open. They're, they're, they're coming from out from the rocks, and he's legitimized them. Right. And, and I wouldn't even call it dog whistles. He's like on a bullhorn.
0: Have you, have you seen anything like this? I mean, you've been making movies that speak to what's happening in America for a long time. Have you seen anything like this?
1: Not in my 61 years uh, uh, on this earth. I mean, this, this, is, this is, as they say, this is bananas. This is it's insane. It's topsy-turvy. And what I want, the one thing I like to say is to the audience and the people watching tonight—if we don't—if what has happened the last 18 months—that doesn't mobilize us to register to vote—I don't know what will. We have to get ready for these midterms, and after that, hes has got to be a one-term president. You know, we have. To- Because we're going for the flim-flam, the snake oil salesman, and the okie doke, and, and, and another thing, we can't get distracted by these tweets. That's like a misdirection play in football, American football. Right. And uh, we just, we know what's coming. Then we just should, should just like, and keep, keep focused what we got to do. That's what I feel.
0: When you're making a story about a black man who becomes the first black police officer to work in a police force, you deal with so many issues that are relatable to what's happening today. There's a powerful line in the movie where he stumbles upon an officer who has done something that's bad. He's a repeatedly bad offender. He's Mm -hmm. killed a black kid in the story, shot him, and claimed that he had a gun. And one of the other officers, who's a good guy, says to him, well, the reason we haven't outed him is because we're a family. We and the police are a family. And, the blue wall of silence. Right. And, and you portray these people as being well-intentioned and flawed at the same time. Was it important Those for human you? Are, right. Was right. it important for you to show it in that way? Where because I didn't, I didn't walk away from the film going like, oh, I hate these police. But I walked away going like, I see the dilemma that these people are facing. I don't agree with the decision many of them are making. But was that important to you?
1: Yes, because uh, as an artist, just look for myself, I try to be tell the truth the best way I can, the best way I know it, and that's something I've been doing for thirty-two years.
0: Right. And well, how do you think you told the truth when it, came to the, when it came to these police officers?
1: That no one's black or white, there's, there's, there's shades of gray, and people do things for different reasons. And so I, I really, what I like to do in my films is show repercussions of decisions people make. Right. That's the interesting thing for me. You go here, you go here, and there's getting repercussion here, repercussion this way.
0: You have a scene in the movie where Harry Belafonte is on screen.
1: Give it up. And
0: honestly... 91 years old. Honestly, one of the most powerful moments in cinema. He's on the screen, and you can feel everyone in that cinema. You can feel the goosebumps as he tells a tale.
1: Recounting a lynching.
0: Recounting a lynching.
1: uh, uh, A real lynching. took Jesse Washington, Waco, Texas, I think, 19... 15 or 16. Right. And his character was his friend who hid and saw this lynching.
0: When you're making a movie and you're telling that story, how hard is it for you to not like skew the way you tell the story to make the bad guys seem even badder than, than, than they were in the
1: film? Like, how do you... Just, just tell the truth. And I just like to say, because I remember it, That scene, we shot Mr. B, Harry Belafonte. It was the last day of the shoot. And so no one knew who was going to play this role. I kept it on a low, low. But I told everybody in the crew, when you come to work that day, the last day of the shoot, wear suit and tie. Ladies, we were clean because he deserved that. We walked on the set, we were sharp. We had to give him respect. Freedom fighter. With Dr. King, all throughout. Always, through, we don't fight around. We had, to, we had to give him love. Everybody was dressed to the nines.
0: Before I let you go, um, the film ends, and I won't, I won't spoil the ending of the film for you, but the film yeah, go ends... go ahead. Beep has been... Well, I want, not, the, not the ending, because I, I still want people to enjoy that. This, this is a magical ending. It's a beautiful film. Um, but what happens post the movie part is we get thrust into modern day. We go from the 1970s to 2017. We go to a Charlottesville. We go
1: to a year ago, what happened a year ago yesterday.
0: Right. And again, I could feel an audience that was taken from a world of make believe, which was real to like very much what you don't wanna believe is real. Right. When you were putting that on screen, when did you make that decision? Because this movie you, you had been creating, when did you make the decision to put current day Charlottesville into a 1970s film about the clan.
1: Well, we didn't start shooting to the fall. So I was in my summer home of Mother's Vineyard, and it hit me just like that. This has to be the ending. But I got Susan Bro's number, the mother of uh, Heather Hare, who was murdered, and I got her blessing, so she gave me the permission to uh, use uh, her daughter's photo at the right. end. So that was a year ago yesterday. She was murdered. And it was nothing but, Trevor, it was nothing but American homegrown act of terrorism. When that car drove down that crowded street and, and, and murdered her, is it 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 that's a fact. And the President of the United States had an opportunity to tell the world that we are not for hate, and he did not denounce the Klan, the alt-right, the KKK. He didn't do it. And a lot of times for me, I found like, you know, he'll say something and then they pull him on the back and say, you gotta change it. Then he says, you know, he, but what I feel, whatever comes out of his mouth the first time, that's the truth and that's, that's what's in his heart. I just want to say thank you for yeah. making another an amazing
0: film. Thank, thank, you, thank you so you. much for being on the show. <laughs> Black Clansman is in theaters now. You want to watch this movie. Spike Lee, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com